Hello, everyone. Welcome along to our next Precursive Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined by Christy from IntelliShift. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Pronunciation. Wonderful. Uh, thank you ever so much for joining us. How are you? I'm great and thrilled to be here. I'm very excited about our conversation today. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, where are you in the, in the world today then? So I am in Long Island, New York. I'm about 45 minutes outside of Manhattan, which I will say during these unprecedented times is a much better place to be, unfortunately, than the city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lovely background. Now, you've been telling me that people think that this is a fake background. So <sighs> Sadly, they do. I can yeah. touch stuff, though. Yeah, there I we promise go. it is mine. We were fortunate enough to renovate my office right before quarantine. We didn't anticipate that we would need it, but I am glad that we got it done. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful, cool. So in, in Long Island, um, and how has it been moving to this new remote reality that we're all uh, living and working in? How have you found it for you, you know, personally, for the team, for your business? Kind of what have been some of the changes there? Yeah, so for me, I mean, I think, you know, we, I had always done some of my schedule remote. So working from home remote, to some extent, has been natural so it was an organic transition pretty seamless yeah, um yeah. i will say the bigger challenge there is having children at home which i know a lot of folks are dealing with and especially if they're homeschooling or you know kind of guiding their children while they're being schooled from their home yeah, um yeah. and so that was the bigger adjustment right i've got a 12 year old so she's embarking on starting seventh grade shortly and so you know rounding her out of coming out of school and doing that while me and my husband are both working full-time from home I and mean, that was the bigger adjustment so yep. you know with regards to my team though i mean we all we all kind of adjusted i think that there are some personalities where their preference is to be around people and so this was a bigger tougher change for them right like the engagement yep. of being connected to people and that human interaction so removing that element was a bit more of a change for them but we were able to very you know, nimbly make sure that everyone had all the equipment that they needed at home, everyone had a space they felt comfortable working in. Um, and so, you know, it took us probably a couple, I wouldn't say a couple weeks, maybe like one week or so to get everyone fully acclimated. And then yeah. we just started to deploy like new processes, new technology to help support this so that everyone felt better connected. And so, you know, that structure, I think actually helped bring the team a lot closer together, which was a, an added benefit. Yeah, yeah. It's weird, isn't it? You start paying a lot more attention to the agendas that you put in planners these days. Right. Well, it's funny. I tell everybody now, I don't accept meetings that don't have agendas. Yeah, I will yeah. gladly decline because my day feels like one long meeting. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. And so I appreciate you doing another another Zoom or Zoom call or, or Google Hangout. People will think that we're sponsored by Zoom. So let's start with a little bit about the business. So tell us a little bit about the company that you're, you're currently working for. So tell us a bit about the company and the scope of your role there, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So IntelliShift is um, a telematics and industrial IoT software. There is a hardware and a component, uh, hardware and software component. So we are helping organizations understand their operations. So think about it through companies that have fleets and assets. So a lot of trucks, um, boats, uh, containers, construction equipment, right? All of those vehicles and assets are actually housing a ton of data. And so our technology actually applies a hardware that captures all that information and in real time feeds it back into a technology to help companies drive operational efficiency. So think about it, all the data you can get off of a vehicle, right? Everything from their fuel consumption to where they are, to where they're driving, toll cost, expenditure, um, 
if they're speeding, right? So like reducing costs and accidents. So I will say of all the organizations I've worked with, this is probably the coolest in the, in the sense that it's an easy tie to ROI. Everything that we help our companies understand about their operations saves them money. So yeah. it's really, it's really great. And I will say like, it's, it's an interesting space because I don't have any background in industrial IOT or fleet yeah. telematics, but, um, I will say it's just like the, the industry is very passionate about it. It is a bit antiquated. So companies that we work with are, are really excited about their digital transformation and moving to a new format and system. And so there's a lot of passion and enthusiasm rallied around what we're doing, um, which makes our jobs a lot easier and customer success. Yeah, cool. So the last mile, you're involved in freight. So all about that last mile then and the, the customer experience. Um, shout out to a friend of mine, Mr. Matt Stammers, on this particular uh, 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 podcast because he'll know what I'm talking about there. So sounds really <laughs> interesting. And then the scope of your role, then you're, you're you're responsible for customer success. That's correct. So right now, the way it stands is I manage everything that post initial sale experience. Mm -hmm. So we work very closely with the project management team because there is that complication of the logistic coordination of the hardware deployment. Yeah. Um, but we make sure that all of our customers are and companies are properly onboarded, trained, enabled. Um, and then our team is responsible for everything through the customer journey that is inclusive of renewals, uh, expansion, upsell. So we partner closely with you know, product and sales and onboarding and marketing to make that all a reality. Um, and our team is very heavily focused on that outcomes and experience for our customers. All right, excellent. And, and prior to this then, give us a bit of background because I, I, I've uh, known and admired the insight uh, that you, you share with the CS community, uh, but give us a little bit of like, insight into your career prior to this, uh, prior to this job. Absolutely. So I've got about a decade now of experience in true customer success in a SaaS company. Um, yeah. And so I've worked in the you know, SaaS operations space, in the BI space, and MarTech. And so I've been really focused on building, scaling, or transforming customer success organizations. And so it's been an exciting journey. And you know, over the past decade, obviously, so much has changed. So watching that kind of evolution and the community grow has been really exciting. But um, you know, it's, uh, it's an ever-changing landscape, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I see you've been hiring some of the people from some of our, our, our clients, and I know you were formerly a client, so it's a, it's a very small community. So um, you're, you're, building out a, you're building out the team there. You've got, what, 15 in CS at the moment? That's and correct. Then, so we've actually, we I came in to an account management organization. And okay. so part of my remit was transforming them from account management to a building out a true customer success function. And right. so part of that, obviously, as you think about people, process and technology is the people. Right. Um, and so, you know, we did a bit of an assessment on skill and will with the team we had in place. But a big part of this was really scaling them out because we didn't have the proper leverage ratios to support our customers. So we knew that the, the biggest thing that we needed to address was that. So we've been hiring like mad, um, you know, COVID obviously uh, derailed that slightly and not derailed necessarily, but definitely put a pause on it for a little bit. But yeah. we've since hired six people since from May until now, and we're hiring about 10 more. So still in hyper growth mode and, and really looking for stellar talent that can help our customers, you know, drive through their journey. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. So, uh, yeah. And so you, like I, then I am to imagine have hired a number of people that you've never met personally, correct? I do. Um, so many people on my team I haven't met in person. So this is all we know. Um, it'll be weird one day when I do actually see them in person because yeah. you only see people from the top up. So that's also interesting, right? Like I have no idea how tall people are. So 
Yeah, so on all these Friday, weird things. <laughs> on Friday, we had about 10 people from our London office meet up and uh, everyone got together for a socially distanced beer. And it was bizarre because lots of people had just never met anyone. It was like, ah, that's what you look like in person. So yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting world. So I just, just want to go back to something you're talking about, this transformation, this change from account management to CS. I think when I go back to my career, you know, at CEB, which got bought out by Gartner, you know, CS was very much called account management then. That was what it was called back in the day. This was, you know, six, six, ten years ago. Um, how would you kind of, like, how would you summarize the difference? I'm curious to, what do you think the difference is between the two? Or how would so you I think that they have shared objectives, right? Yeah. Which is ultimately keep your customers, grow your customers, right? Like I think generally same core objective, how they approach it, I think is where they are, where their core differentiator is, right? Mm -hmm. the, the account managers are going to be probably more commercially focused, focused on account plans and really dialing into understanding the customer from a growth standpoint. Right. Um, whereas the customer success team, I think we are focused on more of the customer's outcomes and objectives. So yeah. we're taking two different approaches to a similar outcome because I do believe if you help your customers achieve their goals, the end result should be growth, right? They should stay with you, right? Why would they leave? You've made them successful. So again, similar objectives, just a different approach. One being more sales focused and one being a bit more consultative. Okay, perfect. And then in this new remote reality, how has the nature of the role in CS changed? What have you observed about how it's changing in, in, for your team? So all eyes are on us. Um, so I think that there's definitely a, a heightened visibility around our team and what we're doing, rightfully so. Um, yeah. I would say during the height of COVID, there was very few, if any, new sales coming in. Right. Um, and understandably, right? So our big you know philosophy was like listen we got to keep the revenue we have like you can't we can't risk losing any we knew that we can continue to operate business as usual if we didn't have another dollar coming in um yeah. but the minute you have dollars walking out that's where it becomes a big concern so i would say internally there was just a huge focus on us and our performance and what we were doing and so that was an interesting change for my team who probably had been historically under the radar um but I would say that was a big change for us in that sense. And then I would think just our entire operating model, which, I mean, I can't blame it all on just kind of the changing times. A lot of it was, obviously, I was brought on board to embark on this change and this transformation. So all the things that we, that a lot of companies, I think, would have probably changed and pivoted during COVID were actually the same things I was brought on to do. So a lot of these motions were already underway where I'm building out an infrastructure that helps my team partner with our customers, align on their goals and actually execute those over time and taking a very programmatic approach to that. So right. I think we are being more specific and prescriptive about how we engage, the conversations we're having, the data that we're sharing and that whole mindset. So um, like I said, I think it's, we, it happened at a very good and organic time for us in the business um, because these were things that were underway, but lots of visibility, a lot of focus on our performance obviously wanting to engage our customers and make them feel good about what they're getting and the value there. So um, yeah. I would say those are some of the bigger changes. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, right? Customer success is the new sales, right? For many. So, so it's, 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 which is what I've begged for, for years, right? I can't tell you how many CEOs I worked for where I'm like, hi, CS over here. Yeah, Show yeah. me a little love. Well, you know, many, it's, it's really simple, right? Most organizations that they, they generating more business from their existing clients than they are a new business. And then unfortunately when that tap shuts off because of something like this for many, 
you know, it throws into focus a lot of the things that are maybe not as they should 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 be. So I think it's a it's a very exciting. It's a lot of pressure, I think, within that within that realm now, right? This may be different to what it was before um, that people are grappling with. Um, <clears throat> you talk about excuse, excuse me. You talk about programmatic. Talk to us a little bit about what do you mean by that? What can others, if they're thinking about scaling a CS team or professionalizing it, what are we talking about here when we're talking about programmatic? What does that mean in reality? Sure. So for, I mean, there's so many components to this, right? So I probably couldn't sum it up in a simple sentence, but I'll give you some, I think, kind of core areas that lead into our success with it. So the first is training enablement, um, and that's really getting our employees up to speed in the right way to engage how we expect them to operate in, in supporting our customers. So we've made huge investments into that through our LMS uh, system, and then my operations manager, her and I partnering together to build out a very prescriptive new hire onboarding program that is really, I mean, to the T, will give you everything from our industry, the company history, our product. Our, our processes, everything kind of built and spelled out for them. Now yep. we're translating that into customer as well. So customer facing portal that will help train and enable our customers also, but a big focus on that. The second thing was actually developing all of our processes. And so a big focus on understanding each of our core segments for our customers, different varying engagement models, and then a very prescriptive customer journey that we felt would touch on all the important milestones throughout the life cycle of that customer. Um, then the third component was the technology to support that. So you can't scale, I think, if you're doing everything manually. So, I mean, anyone who's heard me speak knows that I am a big advocate of Gainsight, so that's no surprise. Four-time user and deployer. Um, yep. And really, it was yep. taking all of our processes and the infrastructure of what we've developed and building that in to Gainsight to layer in some automation, to layer in kind of just like all of that, that the processes that we had, so that way, there was continuity, not only from segment, uh, but to person to person on our teams, but making sure that our customers had a consistent and kind of coherent experience for them, for each of them as we progressed. And so just building out that infrastructure to scale. And we've done that with several different tools, but really kind of taking that approach to it so that everyone's doing the same thing at the right time for the right customers. Yep. Okay, cool. And you're obviously precursive alumni. Um, my, my CTO, Andy, mentioned it. I wasn't too sure because I didn't work with you back then. So that, that, that's quite no. <laughs> uh, So being that obviously we've got our, our app task feed in the, in the customer onboarding space, I you know, naturally want to talk a little bit about the importance of that area of the journey. So you know, in, in your world or, and in general, why is that onboarding piece so critical to kind of the long-term success in your, in your view? Yeah, I mean, I will say just kind of you got that one that only time to make a first impression right that first time that first opportunity yeah. um and that i think kind of sums it all up right our goal is to make sure that we're we're leading from the front that we are they're prepared and enabled to support our customers but more importantly make sure that they're set up to succeed so we spent a lot of time i would say in the first 90 to 120 days with our customers and not only because of implementation taking a long time with the hardware but i mean our knowledge transfer and our processes working with sales and our project management team and customer success, there is yep. a cohesive internal experience that's occurring from day zero. So we know when accounts are coming through, when they're gonna be teed up to close, and then we are fully prepared, staffed and stacked to make sure that everything that customer needs to be successful will happen very prescriptively. Yep. So 
we've got strong alignment between three core teams. We're having that, that really strong conversation, but more importantly, like we want to understand what our customers are trying to accomplish, right? Why did they decide to move forward with us? Why now? And then making sure that everything that we deliver through onboarding actually helps them set up, set themselves up so that they can execute on yeah. those goals long-term. Yeah. Okay. And, and from a, from a communications perspective, what do you think the customer needs to hear in that, in the early phase of that onboarding journey? I think we've really over-indexed on setting proper expectations, right? So what we do is we lay everything out on the table. Our initial partnership kickoff meeting, which is yep. where we bring all three teams together, this is not an onboarding kickoff, it's a partnership kickoff. Yep. We walk through everything from you know, who's their account team, the roles and responsibilities, how we expect them to engage with us, the, the customer journey and the parts that they'll play versus the parts yep. we'll play, customer yep. feedback loop we introduce there. Um, and so I think just kind of really establishing all of that up front and making sure that we're all on the same page yep. in terms of what we're here to do and prepared to do and what they are, um, that level setting and that kind of expectation setting exercise really translates nice because it makes sure that everyone's being held accountable for what we're embarking on. Okay. I, I mean, I think one of the things that we see emerging now, given the, the range of pressures that everyone is under, right? You're under, the customer's under, and there's not just your project that they're working on right yeah. multiple things that they're doing just like you are um is i as a customer i really want to know what i need to do and when right so yes understanding your processes your roles and responsibilities who we engage with and how we engage with them a lot of it is around capacity right it's like what do i need to reserve and what skills do i need or knowledge do i need to bring to also make this successful and i think I think a lot of businesses now are realizing that that sometimes we over obsess about the things and the, the things that we need to do, right? I need to do X, Y, and Z in order to go from A to B to C. And actually what the customer is thinking is like, I'm not sure what you want me to do and when, right? And I think there's a shift in there's, you know, in what we share and how we share. Have you seen, you know, examples of that? Is that something that resonates with you? Absolutely. And so, you know, kind of as we think about that next stage of after like level setting and, and that expectation setting exercise, it is really like about the communication about who does what, when, and how. And so we've got some tools in place to, to make sure that we've got shared project plans and insight into what's happening. It's all very prescriptive to what our customers purchased and what they need to do based on their use cases. And we have that during onboarding. And then we, that also translates really well into the continued journey where we build out success plans that we've actually done a great job of through Gainsight building out um, project playbooks that are associated with what the customers are trying to achieve. So they're all based on our modular platform, the three core, three or four core use cases that each of those products deliver and yep. allowing our customers to kind of choose their adventure. And once they do, it automatically will populate a series of tasks and activities, some of which we're responsible for and some for our customers. And Love we it. have found that like, that visibility and sharing those success plans with them through Gainsight, make sure that everyone's aligned on everything, right? Like that clarity of like, here's the time commitment that's going to be required in order for us to be successful and the sequencing of those tasks and events. Okay, wonderful. Now I know another topic that you're passionate about is the voice of the customer, right? So um, tell us a little bit about kind of what, what, does, what is the voice of a customer, right? Number one, and then expanding on that, like, how do you build out a voice of the customer program and why is it important? So what is it to begin with? 
Yeah. So for us, it's really kind of that, that core understanding of what our customers are telling us, right? As simple as that, like yeah. being able to listen to your customers at the moments that they're speaking. And so giving them a voice internally and then orchestrating a program to disseminate information and insights so that you can respond and react correctly. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's, that's how I would describe it at a high level. Um, what we've been doing is trying to figure out where are the core areas of data that we can pull from to really truly understand that engagement. So whether it is through recordings, whether we're using Gong or Chorus or even Zoom now has got yeah. transcription, um, your Zendesk tickets support is a wealth of data. And so yep. understanding what your customers are saying and sometimes not saying um, yeah. in that channel. The direct communications you're having with them and, and ongoing calls and capturing that sentiment through whatever tools, your CRM or whatever, um, review sites, um, you know, social media. So we've got a lot of different tracking mechanisms that we're, we're looking at to just make sure that we hear what our customers are saying in multiple channels and then yep. finding ways to pull all that data together internally, centralize it against some core themes, and then disseminate it to key stakeholders who could actually drive change to impact what the customers need. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. All right. And what's the impact of it then? If you get this right, what is it going to drive for, for your company and for your people? I mean, hopefully it's that your customers are getting what they need from you when they need it. But what we've seen is some really positive impacts around product development yeah. um, and speed of, and speed of innovation, right? So product is always like a big one for us that we've seen a lot of impact positively around because you start to see a lot of themes and either what's working, what's not working or what your customers need. And yeah. so feeding that into your product roadmap, I think is already like that. It's a great way to let your customers know that we heard you um, yeah. and we are here for you. And this is what we're developing on, on, on your behalf. Um, another thing is really just around your processes. I can't tell you how many times I get like kind of friction feedback from our customers, right? Where things yeah. where we're not easy to do business with because the invoice doesn't go out the right way or it's missing this piece of data or some email went out to somebody else and it shouldn't have, right? So like understanding what about your processes you can streamline and course correct, create a better yeah. experience overall for your customers. Yeah. Um, and then really, I think it's just the, the, the proactive reaction to it. So also being able to share that data in a timely manner lets you respond quickly. And I think my customers have always responded really well to that, right? Like they appreciate being heard and as long as you're going to do something about it. So we're really big on also that, that feedback loop. So it's not enough that we hear the information. We yep. also regurgitate back to our customers and let them know, hey, we've been listening. Here's what we've heard. Here's what we're seeing. Um, is, this, is this accurate? We want to make sure that also we're validating that. Mm -hmm. And then letting them know what our plan is and then delivering on that and then communicating from there. So, you know, I think you can collect a lot of insight about your customers, but more importantly, it's what you do with that data that's going to help really drive the outcome, which should be, customer satisfaction, long-term retention, and hopefully growth. I love how articulate and passionate you are. I think though, one, one of the interesting things around voice of the customer is that sometimes that voice is different in the sense that the language that they use and the language that you use can be two very, very, very different things. And in our world, you know, we deal with, you know, some people call it customer onboarding, some call it, client onboarding, some call it project management. Uh, some people think about scaling there within our professional services area. They think about professional services automation or some think about, you know, how do I scale services? Some call it utilization, some think about capacity. And so you're trying to often in these programs speak to, at least in our world, a range of different industries who share the same problem, but talk about it a different way. 
Have you experienced that? And if, if so, how do you navigate through that? Yeah, so terms? absolutely. Definitely something we experience. And so one of the things I mentioned, right, as part of our process is that confirmation, right? Like, so circling back with your customers to like verify what you heard and getting on the same page. So this is where we don't make assumptions um, and we try to remove any ambiguity. So if there's something that we are not clear on, or even if we think we are, it's going back to the customer and saying, hey, here's what we heard. Can you verify that this is correct? And sometimes, great, we're spot on. And other times it actually opens up Pandora's box for a full conversation that will share a wealth more data. So I know that's difficult to scale, but a lot of what we try to do is also just make sure that we're working on the right things because I would hate to over overextend resources and allocate time to things that aren't going to align. The worst thing I could do is develop a product for my customers based off of what I think they said and asked for, and then I bring it to market and it's not what they need at all. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Let, let's look then finally at if we're talking about, um, you know, that the, the, there's, there's your, there's your commercial conversations, your sales team, and there's the, the customer success organization. Now there, there needs to be a lot of partnership between these two tribes who sometimes don't always, you know, come from the same tribe, right. And have the same characteristics and behaviors. Um, but there's, I think one of the things I talked with Brian Lafayette, who I, I think you know as well from Google, yep. um, we talked about like these seamless transitions, right? So when, when, if I'm the client and I'm coming in to meet you guys, like, I don't want to be repeating myself, right? That's the cardinal. Oh, gosh, no. Yeah. But, you know, so, so how do you, in your organization and in the past, what recommendations would you give to our listeners or viewers on how do you create, what can CS do to create better partnership with sales? So we make sure from a customer success standpoint, and then I'll talk about how we bring the two teams together yeah. for a seamless right. transition. But, you know, it's our responsibility to know as much as we can about the customer going into it. Yep. So the minute we know that a customer is near completion from that initial sale, what we invest some time in is, is just some company and customer research, right? Outside of our internal tools, obviously you've got access to a CRM where hopefully if you've got a good salesperson, they're taking a lot of notes um, yep. and there's a lot of wealth of information there. We'll listen to gong calls or recordings or Zoom recordings, right? Just to get that context here directly from the customer, what they were saying in their language. But then it's also the additional research, right? Like I can't tell you how many people that I've worked with CSMs who will take on account. I'm like, do you even know what they do? And it's no, but why don't you Google them, right? Like just like take a second, go that extra step. So I do make a lot of, um, I do invest a lot of time and energy in having our team do some upfront research. Like if they're a publicly traded company, go read their 10K, go look at their earnings reports, like go just do your diligence. So you're coming into this conversation as that strategic consultant, right? Like you already know about their business, forget the sale, forget everything else you know everything that you need that is accessible to you about them, who they are, what are they doing, who are their customers, who are they serving? So we do a lot of that. Now, obviously that helps us understand a bit more about the customer when the sales team is communicating to us with what they did and why they did it. So it makes that foundation a lot stronger. Yeah. Um, but we do have a very strong alignment with sales because obviously I know how disruptive this could be any transition or handoff for a customer is a point of friction if you don't get it right. So we spend a lot of time doing the following. We have a formal document. Unfortunately, we could not build it all into Salesforce because it is so many fields, um, but we have a knowledge transfer document that is required for the salesperson to fill out. From there, um, they disseminate that to the customer success team and our onboarding project management team. And we have a joint internal 60 minute call. 
Uh, I know that sounds like a long time, but you can imagine that for a deal for a lot of our enterprise companies, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of information to share, and 60 minutes might not even be enough. Yeah, it's a long time to. Yeah, we're not talking about a transactional sale, right? So this is like deals that have been in the making for a year, right? So these are these are meaty. So we want to make sure that we are allocating the appropriate time to actually understand what transpired, what the customer actually needs. So we use that document as a jumping off point. They have to share it with us well in advance of this internal meeting so that we're coming prepared with all the insight so that the conversation is really question and answer, right? So like the CSM the onboarding team, like we should be diving deeper to really understand the nuances of kind of what's not been documented and get that dialogue with the sales team. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, our team is responsible for building the partnership kickoff deck. We make sure that this is kind of our opportunity to level set. We go into that conversation with the customer seeking confirmation, not asking them to repeat what they've said, right? So it's a lot of, here's what we've heard. Is this accurate? Here's what we understand about your business, right? So that always makes our customers feel great about our internal communication. They feel like it's a trusted business operating model. Um, And we have found that like that, that goes swimmingly, that meeting. I mean, I can't even tell you, I've got customers that are just like, blown away by the professionalism, the conversation, the structure, the flow, and the information we funnel out. Um, and so we found that, that that works really well for us. I know, you know, like I said, it's maybe not a scale thing. I know a lot of companies are like, oh, well, when you're pumping out 500 deals a week or a month or whatever it is, you know, I don't know that the same level of detail is required for certain size companies or certain products, but yeah. we're an enterprise yeah. solution. You know, our, like I said, our deals are long. Um, the deal cycle is long. Our contracts are long. We're talking three to five year contracts. So yeah. because yeah. of the size, the value and the importance to the company, the customer, right. Of, of kind of what they're embarking on this digital transformation. It's so important that we get that right. Like we don't have an opportunity there to just misstep. So yeah. we invest okay. a lot of time up front. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's I think that's all exactly in line with with my thinking. I couldn't agree more. I think it's amazing. I think though that sometimes there's some really simple tips that we as leaders can give to team members and frontline staff, which they're, they're so simple that someday they go, "Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's what I should do." Like um, quarterly earnings report, company name plus the quarter that you're in or the quarter before plus the year is the Google search of all Google searches or (laughs) company name plus CEO recent news. What is the CEO saying? Or Google the person that you're going to meet and what have they been saying online or go to their solutions page, industry page, download their documents, talk about how they sell to their customers, get in their mindset. We we play this game. I, I get members of the team to take their middle name, right? So what's your middle name? Anne. Huh? Very boring. Anne. A-N-N. Very boring. All right. So so you would be Anne. You would be Anne the whatever it is from, from your from your customer. And you've got to say, hi, I'm Anne, and this is what I do, right? This is what we sell, and this is how we do it, and da-da-da-da-da, right? And you've got to play this acting game and imagine. Um, and I think that is so powerful because it just shortcuts everything. It's so much credibility if you can say, you know, it, it that first five minutes of the meeting it's like look i've seen you guys have been doing x y and z in the last quarter i'd imagine that's very interesting and you know and then you transition into your kickoff deck which i'm a huge believer should have the pages from the proposal deck as page one like the business case should be page one of the deck this is why you bought it's the same as what that sales guy showed you it's the same font because we've got the same branding right and then it's just like boom but because you put in that due diligence and because you showed that you tailored it to them, 
it's like going into the doctor and you know why do you tell the doctor the truth hopefully because you you see them as an expert and it's therefore how do you develop that credibility really quickly with your client by showing them that you've gone that extra mile so i think everything that you said is bang on uh, very you know what's great though is like that is also a great structure to support business reviews or any executive level engagement right like yep. do the upfront research be prepared have an engaging conversation right but like know yep. who they are and what they're trying to do yeah oh no 100 percent. and 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 with covid i think you know in our world like our you know what we saw was like people everything was about speed right we want to onboard customers quickly and scale and there was less focus on efficiency and cost and things like that for example now there's much more focus on that and so the this the uh, i talked with nick meta on the our, our which i know you listen to like it's that situational awareness yeah. of that you know for that business for that individual it's like why they bought from you six months ago versus why they're doing it now might be two completely different things. Um, Correct. Uh, so in terms of like final thoughts, I mean, thinking about kind of like the future of, of CS and the role, how do you see it like evolving over the next years? Where do you see it going? Yeah, I mean, I see, honestly, like I think it's going to be a deeper understanding of your customers' goals and objectives, honestly, and more focus on that. There's, yeah. I feel like teams are still trying to figure out how to get there at scale um, when I think you don't need to overcomplicate it. I think that you just need to invest the time up front to understand what your customers are trying to do and yep. then just go help them do that. Um, and so find the simplest way to do it, to be very honest with you, right? Everyone's trying to over-engineer all their playbooks and all the data and all this stuff and trying to figure out a health score that's going to work accurately. And I'll tell you, having done it many times, there is not a health score that will predict everything that you need to know about your customers and i've seen green customers leave and red customers stay so forget that like spend the time do your due diligence understand what they need out of your technology and out of the partnership and go and deliver on that track every conversation you have against it like maniacally like that should be all you're focused on and if you're talking about something that is not aligned with those goals stop pivot and like redirect the conversation because that's yep. where you need to focus your customers. There's going to be more focus, especially with the economy being the way it is on ROI and value. And if your customers aren't seeing those two things, forget everything else you're doing. They're out the door. Wonderful. The S in IntelliShift is for simplicity. That will be our key <laughs> takeaway today. And the, is there no, yeah, and the E is going to be in IntelliShift is for elegance. So there's elegance in simplicity in customer success. I there always find some sort of strap line in these things. Wonderful. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Lots of useful insights and stay safe in Long Island. All the best, Christine. Thank you. Take care. Cheers. Bye-bye.